Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com. Today in Watching Your Wealth, the wealthy are different, especially when it comes to divorce. This is Watching Your Wealth from the Wall Street Journal. Now, from our studios in New York, here's Veronica Dagger. This is Veronica Dagger, and you're listening to Watching Your Wealth, where you learn all you need to know about building your wealth and protecting your money. Jacqueline Newman is a New York City divorce lawyer and author. Welcome, Jacqueline. Hi, how are you? Great, thanks. So, Jacqueline, why is this time of year often known as divorce season? Well, I find that January and any times after the holidays are known as divorce season because, you know, people want to make it through the holidays. No one wants to put a divorce summons in a Christmas stocking. So in the beginning of the year, people are energized, they're proactive about wanting to start the new year fresh. And also finances play a role in that people who are bonus heavy want to make sure that there's no claim to be made on any bonuses earned in 2017. So a lot of them want to start it right away. I see. So how is divorce among the wealthy different from divorce among folks of lesser means? Well, one of the major differences is that there's not a lot of case law or statutes to follow. So a lot of the statutes in the case law for divorce is really dictated to those of lower income levels. So for an example, in New York, they consider child support up to $143,000. Now, most people living in New York City are earning well in excess of $143,000. So there's just not a lot of law for follow, to follow, and therefore judges really have a ton of discretion when making decisions about um, divorce cases for the wealthy. In ter- so in terms of the discretion, so they may award more support or less support depending on the facts of the case, or what do you mean by that? It's a really big gamble. So if you have lower income levels, then there's a formula to follow. So you can, I can say to a client who comes into my office, I can give you a sense of what I think you're going to pay in spousal support, let's say. However, when you're dealing with people of, as I said, higher income levels, then you're really doing what's called a lifestyle analysis. And that just opens the doors to anything. At that point, you know, if somebody's used to vacationing and having a house in the Hamptons and used to, you know, private jetting everywhere, in that sort of situation, that's going to be something that I can make arguments in the court and say, you know what, this is a lifestyle and therefore I need $60,000 a month or whatever it might be. So there's just a ton of discretion when you're dealing with people with this kind of income levels. And that's interesting because we sometimes hear uh, folks trying to, excuse me, talk down their spouse's uh, lifestyle right before they file for divorce, for example, they might put their spouse on a budget or say, you know, no, we can't spend on X, Y, and Z anymore because they're trying to establish a lower lifestyle from what I understand. That's absolutely true. So if all of a sudden your spouse starts saying, you know what, honey, we're going to drive, we're not flying private today. Now we're just going to go flying a coach. You should start perking your ears because something might be wrong. Red flag there indeed. Um, Also, the wealthy are different because in some cases, they may tie their divorce to the performance of the economy or the stock market, right? That's absolutely true. Even though, you know, I often joke that we're, you know, divorce attorneys are protected in both economies. So if the economy is not doing well, then you're going to have the moneyed spouses who are going to be the one that are going to want to pull the plug because they would rather get divorced when, you know, their assets are lower, when their income levels are lower. However, Obviously, in a good economy, then you're going to have the non-moneyed spouse who's going to be the one who's going to want to be calling their divorce attorneys. Interesting. So the moneyed spouse seems to have an advantage because they can just write a check for things to go away, essentially, I would imagine. 
Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things I would say that, you know, when you talk about differences between the wealthy and non-wealthy, is that they do have the ability to buy their freedom. I mean, there's a price tag usually for most, most things. And so if you have enough money and somebody's willing to take it, then, you know, you get to get out of here. What leverage does the less wealthy spouse have in this situation, if any? You know, if anything, they would actually have more leverage than one would think. So oftentimes the wealthy spouse has to pay the less wealthy spouse's counsel fees. So in cases like that, you know, when you think that somebody can come in and, you know, because they're wealthier, they can hire as many attorneys as they want and they can bury you in paper. But at the end of the day, you really don't want that to happen because if that were to happen, the other spouse is going to have to respond to that. And then they're just going to be sending their legal bills to the wealthier spouse. Oh, fascinating. That is really important to remember. So I'm wondering, is it often just easier and cheaper to stay together? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Like slice your net worth in half by getting a divorce. Um, Yeah, I'm sure. Um, So any other mistakes the wealthy make in getting a divorce, some of the biggies we should be aware of? I think, you know, as as I spoke a little bit earlier about, you want to not allow yourself to use the court system to bully. So again, you're in that sort of situation where you might be being hit with the legal bills. So you've got to be careful about that because I think the gut reaction is that people think that they should just continue to fight, fight, fight because they have the money to do it. But no matter how much money you have, you never want to be spending money on legal fees. Indeed, that can really feed into what you're left with after your divorce. I know some people who spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on legal fees and then they realized that after the fact and that was a, a big mistake. Um, thank you so much for joining us, Jacqueline. Would you stick around and take our divorce quiz? I would love to. Great. You stick around too. ADP knows anything you hear, anything you don't hear, anything you kind of heard, anything you weren't supposed to hear and now have to pretend like you didn't can change the world of work. From HR to payroll, ADP designs forward-thinking solutions to take on the next anything. Keep tabs on the markets. Listen to WSJ's Money Beat podcast for straight talk on Wall Street that's right on the money. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. This is Watching Your Wealth from the Wall Street Journal. Now, from our studios in New York, here's Veronica Dagger. Welcome back to Watching Your Wealth. Now it's time for divorce lawyer Jacqueline Newman to take our divorce quiz. Jacqueline, are you ready? I'm ready. All right. What's the best divorce advice you ever heard? To be psychologically strategic. Hmm. Interesting. Worst divorce advice you ever heard? Anything a client learns on the internet. <laughs> Fill in the blank. A divorce can buy? Freedom. A divorce can't buy? True vengeance. Hmm. If you want a million dollars after tax... What would you do with it after a divorce? I'd pay off my legal bills. I'm just kidding. I would take a divorce vacation and I wouldn't think about my ex once. Oh, divorce vacation. Oh, that's good to keep in mind for some listeners. All right. Thank you so much, Jacqueline. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you. You're welcome. And do you have a personal finance question you'd like us to answer? Email us at podcast at dowjones.com. This has been Watching Your Wealth, a production of The Wall Street Journal. I'm Veronica Dagger. For more information, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts. Become a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and now look for us on the Google Play Music app on Android devices. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.